compelling nature of what it could be if it wasn't that. But it's also a fair approach, I think, to a championship, to everybody having the fresh slate, the clean slate. And, yeah, you go up there, you, you win a game in the winner's bracket, to lose, you lose a game in the loser's bracket, and it's hard to get out, but at least you still have a life. You still have a pulse. So I, I find all that to be uh, very interesting as well. 654-7627 if you want to talk about it. Uh, 654-ROAR. And there's some more college football I want to get into. 80 days away from the kickoff between the Tigers and Kent State. And, and I think, like many people, we're not even thinking about that game as much as we love the fact that it's first. But you're also looking ahead to week two with Auburn coming to town. And I, the more I talk to people as we get closer, the more I'm convinced that everybody and their grandmother is focused on what Auburn's going to bring to the table and who will be the starting quarterback at that point in time. So we start that conversation there, and I pose that question to you. Is is that what it seems like to you? Warm-up game, then Auburn. A lot of people focus on Auburn, excited to start the season with Kent State, but we know where all the laser-like focus is with the majority of the Clemson fan base right now. Without a doubt, and if there ever there's a year you want to open with a warm-up game, it's this season. I, I Imagine how you would feel if Auburn was the opener. Uh, I think we'd all be freaking out. Yeah. And I think as we get closer to the season, there's going to be a a certain level of freaking out anyway. But if that was the opener, it'd be even worse. Uh, and, And I've told you this already on the air. I think, and I'll tell you again, I think you will see a vanilla offense in that opener and you will have major freak out going into the Auburn game because you don't feel like they're going to show much of anything to spring it on Auburn when they least expect it and to give themselves the biggest possible home field advantage they possibly care. So, I mean, I, and because it'll be the first time in over a year that you've seen somebody taking a snap that's not named to Sean Watson, right? You're naturally going to compare everything that that person does to, to to number four and it'll take it it's going to take a little while to kind of get that out of your system and and to flush that and 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 you know well Deshaun would have done this Deshaun would have done that. is there any chance at all though that Kelly Bryant comes out guns blazing against yeah. Kent State is there any chance at all uh, definitely a chance because everything we talk about is well you can see him going 10 for 22 for 120 yards and a touchdown and maybe an interception or two, and everybody's going to be in total freakout mode like you're saying. Well, think about this. If if you feel like your strength at quarterback next year is running the ball, and most would argue that it is, what better way to smoke screen Auburn than to come out throwing the ball? So throw it 30 times and hope for the best. And then you know what? You're playing Kent State, so hopefully it builds up his confidence because athletically you're superior. You're quicker at just about every position. And that, that also throws some shade towards Auburn because then they're, well, wait a second, we got to get ready for this. Right. And then you come out and zone read Kevin Steele to death the way that we hope. At the end of the day, I don't know that much that happens in the Kent State game has any impact on the Auburn game, but we're going to sure pretend like it does. Very good. That's interesting. It's interesting. And as we get closer to that point, I think these conversations become even more front and center and you start examining what it all means in relation to the upcoming season. The one thing I've said from day one, well, you want to enter November with one loss or less. 
and understanding that that loss could occur to Auburn, Louisville, or Virginia Tech. Those latter two games are going to be on the road. But in reality, if you lose to Auburn, is this a program that will be capable of running the table from there on out? The answer is probably not. And that's no disrespect to Auburn, but you get these guys at home. They had Montrevious Adams and Carl Lawson on that roster a year ago, and it was clear with about five minutes ago that you were the physically superior team then. When it was 19-6, to six, you're trying to run out of class, all these different things were happening. The Ben Bullware penalty that extended one Auburn drive enabled them to score to make it a six-point game. You were physically the superior team. I still believe that to be the case coming into this game. And the fact that you get them at home, I I don't think this is one of the games, despite the fact it's from the big, bad, mighty SEC West, I I don't circle this game and say, well, this is losable and you can still make the college football playoff. I think if you lose to them, and it's not going to be an easy contest, make no mistake about that. You would be foolish to predict a blowout. Game was close last year. You won a national championship last year. It was different at the end. I get it. And you're playing them at home this year. I get that. But because it is at home, I, and even if you're breaking in a new quarterback, this is not the game that you lose and you bounce back from. I, I think at Louisville, because it's on the road, is different. Virginia Tech, it's on the road. They've got questions at quarterback. It's still a little bit different. I mean, it, it, Home versus away, I think, matters a little bit. And so I'll continue the conversation there. This is not a game that I think that you can lose. And I think if you did have a misstep here, uh, the critics post-Watson start to emerge, and then you're fighting some more of those fires, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I think, too, it would depend on what Auburn does after that game. Because, you know, what, what happens if Auburn turns out to be I mean, they get six games into the season. They're still undefeated. They're ranked, you know, sixth in the nation. At some point, maybe you start feeling a little better about that game uh, if you were to lose it. But but still, any loss at home is not going to be acceptable. Right. That's just, that's just the way it is. More on that in a second. Clemson Carl checks in on the text line, 96-15-66. Been listening to you guys on the app in the Anchorage Airport. You guys are great. Love the White House visit talk and all things college football, which is what we're doing right now. Auburn will start the season ranked inside the top 10. And so initially, I think even if you lose to them, people are going to say, well, it's not that big of a deal. I, I just mm-hmm. don't think that's where they end up. Tell me how you lose. If you're going to lose, and I know we don't even like thinking about that, but how you lose is important too, right? Quarterback, turnovers, Offense can't get going, and early momentum for Auburn, where it was the exact opposite last year. I mean, Clemson just methodically just did its thing. You know, they would have five or six plays, then punt. Auburn would get it three and out. Their next possession, maybe five or six plays, then punt, and then it's three nothing, and then it's ten nothing, and then you know it's ten to three, and and then you just kind of go back and forth for a little bit. It was a methodical win. I think for Auburn to flip the script, it becomes the the opposite where, you know, they get some momentum early. They need something to happen with Jarrett Stidham positively on offense. And he's capable of doing that. He's capable of doing that. I just I, I think some of the talent that they've uh, lost in the trenches, and then in particular with Adams and Lawson, you've got to find a way to attack them there. And I think that is with Kelly Bryant. 
I don't know who settles in at quarterback halfway through the year, but in game two, I think he gives you the best chance to beat them. Right? I, I mean, I and I, I think that staff over there has to know that based off their studies of Kevin Steele. Mm-hmm. And he's gotten better since he left here, I know, but still in his second year, I, I think some of the newness wears off, and I think he does try to get more complicated. And, and inevitably I think that hurts his defense down on the plains. I'm not sure that's even in question right now who the who your best chance to win in game two is. I, I think it's Kel- I mean it's I, Bryant. Yeah, it's Bryant. No questions. When I say how you lose that game, though, what I mean is we we will continue to talk about quarterback and that all summer long, but let's just allow yourself to imagine that game, the defense giving up 35 points to Auburn's offense. It's a, it's a 35-24 kind of a ball game. That's hard to envision, it, isn't it, it? It really is. But I'll I, ask you, how does that happen? Stidham throws for three hundred. I mean, how does that even begin to happen? A weakness emerges on the team that you didn't know you had. Secondary. Yeah. Secondary. Linebacker. Uh, some some injury that you know you can never forecast those. But and I don't think that I don't think those things would happen. Uh, I mean, I don't. Not that's not really much on my radar right now but that's what i say you know you could you could feel at, at least right now you feel like you've got a weakness compartmentalized in a quarterback position and that's a most important position on the field granted but what if what if something else emerges in a, in a loss oh then then the then let the freak out ensue stedham will have to be as good as advertised right out of the gate. Auburn defensively will have to be what it was last year without Adams and Lawson. Is that impossible? No. Is it likely? Probably not. And I think Kelly Bryant on a couple of dropbacks will have to make some bad decisions. Now, is that possible? Absolutely it is. I mean, no offense to him, but that's that's possible for a first-year starter. And that'll happen. And that'll happen against Auburn? It'll happen against somebody, most likely Auburn. That's that's your first – that'll be your first real chance. I mean, it happened with Deshaun Watson. He made bad decisions. Right, right, right. No, I mean, he did it last year against Pittsburgh. He did it last year a couple of days against NC State. I mean, against did, Troy. Did it against Auburn. <laughs> he did it against Auburn. <laughs> well, and he also – had to deal with a lot of drop passes and fumbleitis from Mike Williams. That, that's the one thing we, we forget about last year, as strong as Williams was at the end of the season. As he returned from that neck injury, particularly uh, down at Jordan-Hare, he was not as effective as what everybody was hoping for. Dropped a couple of touchdowns, fumbled the ball in, in Auburn territory where Clemson had momentum. So, I mean, the Tigers kind of coughed up a couple of opportunities in that game last year, as opposed to it being 19-13, being something vastly different. Credit Auburn for not allowing that to happen. Interesting conversation. If you want to talk about it, 654-ROAR, 654-7627. Third hour continues. More college football coming up. It's bow time at Bojangles. Try one of the $4 breakfast biscuit combos today. Hi, it's Monty Lee. My first season as Clemson baseball coach was sure exciting. We were ACC champs, made possible by great efforts by the whole team, and maybe a little luck. 
When you talk to the folks at Blue Ridge Security Solutions about residential or commercial security, luck is not part of the equation. These are serious professionals, each one well-trained for a specific role. Technology is always evolving, and Blue Ridge Security Solutions will be right on top of it. Did you hear about their video doorbell? BlueRidgeSecuritySolutions.com. Serious security. Ride Cat Bus June 15th for National Dump the Pump Day. That's when public transit systems all over America join together and encourage us all to save money. Ride Cat Bus and take advantage of fare-free public transit service. Dump the Pump June 15th with Cat Bus, serving Clemson, Seneca, Central, and Pendleton. For information on Cat Bus and their free GPS app, go to www.catbus.com. Finding great candidates to hire can be, well, like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter is different. It doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them with its powerful technology. ZipRecruiter distributes your job everywhere it needs to be to find the right candidates. In fact, over 80% of jobs on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just one day. So, while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, only ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for. The needle in the haystack. Used by businesses of all sizes, ZipRecruiter offers the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash score. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash score. For your free trial, ZipRecruiter.com slash score. What business doesn't like to save a little money where they can? Crute LED has partnered with Duke Power to do just that. Whether you need LED tube lights, $4 after rebate, LED high bay fixture, $79 after rebate, parking pole light, $99 after rebate, or 6-inch down lights, $4 after rebate, Crute LED will pass on Duke Power rebate up front to you with a verification of your business's Duke Power bill. Visit online at CruteLED.com or visit their office at 109 Interstate Boulevard in Anderson right before J. Peters on exit 19B. You've worked hard all these years, and now you need someone to work hard for you on your retirement income and estate planning, investments, new insurance options, and much more. Let the independent financial advisors at Kiwi Financial Group develop a winning game plan for your future. They understand that each client is unique. It's your money. It's your future. Talk to the trusted professionals right here at Kiwi Financial Group in Clemson. Call them today at 654-5043. Go online to KiwiFG.com. Progressive brings you Flowetry with Flow. Motorcycle and car insurance bundled like macaroni and cheese, please. I got discounts up the wazoo. Yahoo! Saving money, riding down the open road on my bike, dropping fine rhymes, then dropping the mic. Assuming that's okay with the venue. Bundle your motorcycle and car insurance and save with Progressive. Call 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Roy Philpott on WCCP. Why, you stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder. And now, back to Roy and Ben. You better, you better. The U.S. Open coming up this weekend, too. A lot of people stoked about that. I'm sure we'll talk more about it as we get closer. I love the U.S. Open. You love the U.S. Open. Yeah, Tony Romo missed he didn't make qualifying. It. Yeah. 
That would have been nice, fun to watch. A heck of a broadcaster now. Maybe he can actually call the action. Heck of a broadcaster. Guy's good, man. He knows what he's doing up there. <laughs> knows what he's doing there with... Uh, who heck of it? a broadcasting contract, anyway. We don't know if he can broadcast, but we know he can... <laughs> Here's the deal, buddy. And cash those checks. Go ahead and do it, big dog. That's all you. Uh, so you got the U.S. Open. I'm sure we'll talk more about that tomorrow. Uh, also coming up on the show tomorrow, good friend Daniel Shirley, sports editor of the Macon Telegraph. Uh, looking forward to catching up with Disha. So I think he's on his vacation. And uh, this is what we typically like to do. We like to bug him on his vacation to see how grumpy we can make him by dragging <laughs> him on the little show to talk some sports with him. And we'll get his reaction maybe from the NBA Finals and talk some college football. The, the, the sports editors, this is what I've discovered over the years. And I'm kind of like this. I used to be like this when I was a, a kind of a day-to-day beat writer. But... There, there's like this little downtime, there's a respite, and it, it may be a week, maybe a little bit longer, and then everybody starts getting antsy. And so the, the, the sports editors then start looking, okay, well, how are we going to do our layouts this year when our, with our preview? And they get all geeked up on the preview, and, you know, this is, uh, th- th- is going to be the package we're going to do this year. This is what we're going to write about. we got these capsules. And so you start doing these capsules, and it's like, where? Clemson, South Carolina. What? Clemson football. What happened last year? What's the forecast this year? And then expectations, and offense, defense, special teams. And you go and you preview all of that. I think the average sports writing geek gets that little bit of downtime. And then on the back end of it, you're thinking, okay, I'm ready to go back to work. And let's start talking some college football, which you know, on this show, we're guilty as charged there. I mean, we, we kind of start doing that before most shows anyways. I think the station does it mm-hmm. to a certain extent. You know, a lot of times it's right after the 4th of July in conjunction with a Dabo golf tournament, the ACC football kickoff. I'm probably going to talk with Daniel about that tomorrow because I, I bet he's getting antsy and ready to to do that, to come up with the tab, the the preview section down at the Macon Telegraph as they geek up, gear up for Georgia and Georgia Tech football once again. And knowing Daniel will probably sprinkle in a little Clemson there here and there too, which is fine. It's good. Ranking the ACC and SEC teams in the Macon Telegraph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Thursday's ed- conferences. Yeah, Thursday's edition has picks. 12 through 9. Right, right, right. The, the countdown begins. The power rankings, right? That's how I think Mickey does this in the morning. It's good. And we make fun of them because we, well, we do we, it too. Well, we're not crafty enough to coin it and to like package it into this nifty little deal and then give you an update on it every single week like they are. But we kind of do our own version, right? right. We kind of do the same thing with it. We do. So it's fun. Daniel Shirley joins us on the show tomorrow, uh, working on adding one more guest as well, concerning some things going on on campus uh, very soon. So we look forward to that. And, of course, uh, more of your phone calls as well. Ben looked at me during the break, and he said the following, and I want to give this respect to. I can't believe we haven't talked more NBA today, and you haven't ripped LeBron. Well, I mean, that's what we do after losses. We rip LeBron, and I'm just – like I feel like you're sandbag and you're about to ambush me. No, I'm not. Not at all. It, it was fascinating to me as the Warriors won another championship last night. ESPN cut away from the on-the-court celebration where there were some bad words taking place. And they were trying to mute them out, I think. I thought something was wrong with Did my you, TV. I know, I'm like, what, what's wrong? What's the volume's <laughs> jacked up here? This is hideous. Uh, they cut away from that, and they zoomed in on LeBron walking off the court. Mm-hmm. And realizing that there were probably some bad words being dropped on the court. I didn't want to see that as much as I wanted to watch the chosen one walk off the floor dejected. I, 
I found that to be more must-see TV. It, 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 that's kind of bad of me, but I think that's the majority of what the general public wanted to view as well, to see what's he going to say, how's he going to react, yeah. is he crying, is he emotional, is he happy for his buddy Kevin Durant? And he appeared to be genuinely happy for him, but what was his reaction? And I, Fascinating that we care more about that than watching Golden State celebrate its second championship in three years. That's just sort of people in general, though, right? We'd rather see somebody suffer. No, no but you would. You'd rather see somebody suffer than celebrate, especially when it's LeBron James. Well, that, and that's it. That's yeah. the kicker. When it's him, it's a little different. I, I do think it was a, uh, regardless of how you you feel about LeBron James, I do. I did think it was a classy move. Uh, the very first person, or so it it looked anyway, that he goes in uh, and congratulates his Kevin Durant. And a lot of those guys afterwards, you know, both teams congratulating slash consoling one another. And, and last night, you know, a, as bad as the playoffs have been for the most part, last night was a really good game. I mean, I, I was I was very entertained. It kept my attention. There were there were ups and downs, and you know, horrible officiating, good officiating, you know, foul fest. Uh, I mean, it had a little bit of it had a little too much of some of those things, but it it felt like a a pretty decent playoff game by whatever this new standard is that I feel like we're in now. Um, I, I'm not sure what brand of basketball we play anymore, but whatever it is, last night I like seemed it. To, I like it. I need you to like it. I don't need you to what, shake your head and pout at me again. I like it. No, I I'm not not pouting. There's just this is one of those topics for another day, I realize, but there are just little things that I feel like you have to overhaul with officiating the NBA. And what I'm about to say applies to LeBron James as much as it does Steph Curry. But jumping into, jumping into a defender to draw a foul, I mean, knowing how to kind of use the system in your advantage, that just takes away from the game. So much. So much. The fouls on the three-point attempts, where it almost seems like after the fact and you jump into I, I don't like those either. And That's that is not so involved. I know. It's it's yes, it's it's a loophole. It's very strange. And and the fact that, you know, that Curry throws balls up underhanded from half court because he's smart enough to know that he might get a a shooting foul out of it. Um it really illustrates how crazy it's become that it's on the front of your mind that much. The flopping, I mean, that, it's that's not basketball. That's and, and watching that game last night, especially the first quarter, where there's so many fouls, it's it felt like more of a game of of let's just see who can hit the most foul shots. Right. That's not basketball, and that doesn't help anything for the brand, for the for the person who only turn, tunes in in the playoffs, and that's what they see. I understand why people are disgusted with the NBA if you really? don't follow it all the time. Uh, well, 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 all right. If, if that is what you're basing it off. Now, you and I watch it all season long, and we know there's a little bit more to it. But if all you watch is the finals – and that's what you're basing your opinion on, I, I kind of get it. On the Steph Curry, I'm going to put that on the shelf for a second, then come back to it. what you just said. But I gave you a lot there. You I did know, give sorry. me a lot. 
I still want to love Steph Curry. And as a chucker who believes that he has unlimited range, I'm enthralled by what he brings to the table. However, I've also now gotten to the point to where the antics are so far over the top. It's like somebody needs to come in and humble this guy a little bit. And when you listen to him talk, he sounds humble. Like he doesn't sound like a Dennis Rodman, one of these crazy people out there running around, flapping his yaps at everything. You know, like Draymond Green. Draymond Green never shuts up. I don't mind Curry celebrating and doing like the extended leg stomp as he did in game one or two. I, that's fine. But some of the shots that we see are really and truly ridiculous. He had one last night in the final 50 seconds where he was running full speed towards the near side corner and a defender was kind of draped on him and he was running at such a pace the defender didn't follow him because it would have just been so crazy to try to shoot a shot Mm -hmm. from behind the backboard baseline if you can follow me. It'd be like the old double dribble in Nintendo. Remember that? Where at the top, on the far side of the court, if you faded away and you floated to the right and then up, the shot would always go in. That was the magic show. Double dribble, if you remember. He was on the opposite side. And in reality, that shot is impossible to make. And so he's kind of floating backwards and away from the rim. And he's behind the rim when he shoots it. And it's this high-arcing rainbow that hits the top of the backboard. Now, Golden State had already won the game. The outcome was was not in jeopardy anymore. So uh, there, there was no issue there. But it was stupid looking. Yeah. And it took away a little bit from those final 50 seconds in the celebration that was going down at Oracle. And, and yeah, this is a little nitpicky, but it speaks to the overall bigger picture of what he does where it's like he just treats it like a circus. Right. And when he's making some of those shots, I'm in. But when you hit the top of the backboard as the best shooter on the planet, I'm not. And it looked weird. And like you're talking about the underhanded stuff. And, I, you know, eight times out of ten, I'm okay with it. Nine times out of ten, I was okay with it last year. and it, So it's kind of going in that direction. But they won, and he played better overall in these playoffs than what he did last year. So it is what it is. He quietly had a really good series. Um, I think he averaged like 29 points and had rebounds and assists. Uh, yeah, I mean, he quietly had a really good series. I don't think he can handle, for the most part, being the guy. That, I mean, he wants to be the guy when he's shooting but I don't think he wants the pressure of being the guy. And you know what I'm talking about. Kevin Durant took that pressure off of him because he was simply outstanding. I mean, as, as good as other guys played, as great as, as LeBron played in the, in the finals, uh, Kevin Durant was the best player in the series. And that helped, I mean, that helped Steph Curry have that yeah. quiet, really good series and, and the two of them, uh, I mean, they were just dominant. Michael on the text line, 96-15-66. So did Golden State blow game three to win at home? No. No, they did not. I think it was actually game four. Game four, yeah. They they did not do that because they wanted that postseason run at perfection, I, I believe. They did make more money as an organization. I, I don't think any player on the court, nor did Steve Kerr, Mike Brown, or anybody in the coaching staff, 
intentionally try to not win that game so that they could win the championship at home. I think it makes for a better mm-hmm. ce- celebration. It does. But I think they wanted to celebrate, too, back at the queue uh, in, in the lane of LeBron as well. They would have had some satisfaction there. They wanted to go through the, They wanted to be the first team to ever go through the playoffs without losing a game. Game four was officiated differently, though. The way game four yeah. was officiated oh, yeah. favored Cleveland. Right. Um, I think that was a big part of of why that game went the way that it did. But, um, yeah, no, right. Golden State wanted to win. The other thing you mentioned was Kevin Durant. The cover of Sports Illustrated has Durant on it already, and it says the dawn of Durant. If you go to ESPN.com, 538, the headline reads, they are Durant's warriors now. Everybody is on board this bandwagon. I don't know how you stop him when he plays at the level that we just saw. A fadeaway jumper from a seven-footer where the release point is literally above the rim. It's at 10.25 inches. One of the reasons I think he left Oklahoma City, I was going to say Oklahoma State because we're talking about Mike Gundy earlier, but Oklahoma City, I, I think was a chemistry issue but it was also more about the style of play with the Warriors and how that could impact his game playing with an organization like that. Certainly it was about winning championships. On the text line, do you think Durant will eventually go back to OKC? No, I do not. I, I think that there is an inherent chemistry with that team, with Durant, that he felt as he was being recruited to play there by the players on that roster the entire entire final year he was at OKC. And that's something that's just coming out right now, which is very interesting, is that Draymond, Steph, when I think legally this can be done, you just can't do it publicly, but they're talking to their friend, Kevin Durant, uh-huh. when he was at OKC, saying, we want you to come play with us. And that happened for like a full year before he actually did. Durant is at peace in Oakland with this franchise. The style fits his off the court, and more importantly, on. I don't think he ever returns to OKC. I'm not sure that he ever leaves Golden State until he enters the you know the dawn there, not the dawn, but the the evening part of his career. I, I guess better way to put it. Um, no, I, I'm not convinced Golden State wins without him. But with him, this is a team that could win every title the rest of this decade. And it's interesting to see now all the headlines say this is Durant's team. And it's also just as interesting to feel like the other players on that team that won a championship without him two years ago seem to be okay with that and seem to embrace that. And I guess the proof is in the 10-foot, 2.5-inch jump shot that is unstoppable right now. It's hard not to like Kevin Durant, though. You know, and that helps... I think that's helped make the transition uh, to Golden State easier for him is that he is so likable. He didn't come in there with an ego. He didn't come in there, you know, with with the attitude. He's just a shooter, man, and, and he showed how bad he wanted to win. I know some people don't like him because they feel like he's chasing a title, and there's truth in that, but that is sort of what the NBA has allowed to happen now. Uh you know that's that's the age that we live in, and these guys know. I mean, your your goal is to win titles. That's kind of what I mean. Like it or not, that's the steps he's taken to win a title. 
Golden State next year to win the championship, minus 200, released by the Vegas Sportsbooks. So after the break, I want want to circle back on what I asked you at the beginning. What other teams are maybe a player? I'll give you two players away from competing (laughs) with each other. That's where we are. Two players away. It's not just one player. It's two. We talked to teams like uh, the teams that feel like they have at least two missing pieces. Do they even try to win now, or do you do you just think about three or four years down the road? Because I just I still say that there's only maybe three to four teams that are close enough to continue, and somebody will. I, I would be so awful as a GM or team president because. Imagine how hard it would be to go to work for four years knowing that you have no chance and that you're building maybe for year four and then hoping that you're given the amount of time to be able to to live out the entire experiment in, in that same position. I, I wouldn't have the patience to be able to do it, but I think the picture you're painting there is an accurate one. Adam Silver thinks there's not a problem in the, in the NBA, but if you have the majority of your team presidents thinking along these lines, and you do have a problem. Yeah. If there's only two or three teams who can contend, I think you do have a problem. Back to wrap it up, 654-7627. The phone number, 654-ROAR after this. Walt Deptula will be at Direct Tools this Friday the 16th from 3 until 7. Get great deals for Dad. Enjoy hundreds of clearance items, 50% off regular price every day. Join Walt this Friday from 3 until 7 at Direct Tools behind Chick-fil-A on Woodruff Road. Ride Cat Bus June 15th for National Dump the Pump Day. That's when public transit systems all over America join together and encourage us all to save money. Ride Cat Bus and take advantage of fare-free public transit service. Dump the Pump June 15th with Cat Bus, serving Clemson, Seneca, Central, and Pendleton. For information on Cat Bus and their free GPS app, go to www.catbus.com. Jacob Thompson, a U.S. Marine who just returned from combat to a civilian world. The brotherhood was gone. Nobody cared whether or not I went to work or not. Nobody nobody was worried about it. It was just, it was basically all on me. Upstate Warrior Solution provides a bridge to civilian life for warriors and their families. Help us to help them. Donate or volunteer at upstatewarriorsolution.org. There's never been a better time to buy from George Coleman Ford, where cars cost less and travelers rest. Like a 2017 Fusion SC with sync and rear view camera, 25505 MSRP. Sale priced for just $20,999. This offer good through July 5th. And remember, there are never any dealer fees at George Coleman Ford, serving you for over 85 years and four generations. George Coleman Ford, for the ride of a lifetime. Do you have standing water around your home? Well, it's probably also underneath your home. Standing water and musty air can cause damage to your home and affect the air you breathe. Canty Foundation Specialists can help you correct these problems. Standing water causes wood to rot and creates an environment for mold and mildew. Call Canty Foundation Specialists for drier, cleaner air and a more comfortable home all year long. 475-1671 or visit us at cantyfoundationsc.com. 
Everybody knows the story. You can't sleep on a bed that's too hard. You can't sleep on a bed that's too soft. But you can sleep on a bed that's just right. Engineered sleep might not have been around when Goldilocks was written, but they know that a bed that's just right is made just for you. It's not just a fairy tale. They actually build a mattress based on your sleep habits and patterns so that you can get that Goldilocks kind of sleep. And if after a couple of weeks you find it's not perfect, Engineered Sleep will adjust it until it is. Visit their location at 627 Congaree Road to see the process and learn how your mattress is made. By manufacturing your custom-made mattress at their factory, you're saving money because there's no middleman. Factory to you. And you can score a significant discount by picking your mattress up instead of having it delivered. Engineered Sleep, it's not mattress shopping, it's an experience. Summer involves a lot of driving to camp, to work, to soccer, back home to grab what they forgot, and then back to soccer again. So wouldn't you like to know your car is up for it? Enter Hum by Verizon. Now you can check your car's health from your phone with vehicle diagnostics, drive with more peace of mind thanks to 24-7 emergency assistance, and let the kids stream and game on the go with your car's own Wi-Fi hotspot. Get Hum and get where you're going. Learn more at Hum.com. Verizon Wi-Fi available on Hum X only. Data usage applies. Coverage not available everywhere. Visit VZW.com for availability. Summer has a certain hue, the kind of vibrancy you can feel and almost hear. And Sam Adams Summer Ale, with three new colors with one great taste, captures the colors of summer perfectly. There's the yellow of the rising day, the orange of a heat-ripened afternoon, and the blue of long, cool nights. These are the colors of summer in one perfect summer ale. Sam Adams, Boston Beer Company, Boston Mass. Savor the flavor responsibly. Roy Philpott on WCCP. Fourth quarter's coming up from Death Valley. Second half is underway. Ten seconds, and it can't stop now. Nebraska's out of timeouts, and Clemson has indeed proved itself to be the number one team in all of college football. Here's the end of the game. Are we finished? Done. And now, back to Roy and Ben on WCCP 105.5 The Roar. All right, final segment of the show. Ben Milstead, Roy Philpott. 654-7627, the phone number. We did get one call off air a segment ago reminding us to mention the new Clemson commitment uh, who committed yesterday, I, I guess, yeah, June 12th. Darnell Jeffries out of Covington, Georgia, D-Tackle. I believe Newton High School. He, he had been, um, I think he was a Clemson lean for a, a good while. I, I don't know if his commitment was expected yesterday. I haven't read the articles with any quotes from him. Uh, I, I believe a couple are out there, however. Four-star defensive tackle, Ben, 6'3", 275. And another in the long line of quality front four defenders that uh, this program continues to just rake in. And I think the upside with Jeffries, I mean, it sounds like a broken record, but it is unlimited. I, I, he's going to be a great player here. And... You know, he'll be one of those guys probably in 2019, 2020. We're starting, a, you know, talking about Clemson football in the middle part of the summer. Where we're saying, this guy's back. Can you believe it? And you kind of pinch yourself because he's got the potential to be uh, that good. So, yeah, that that's the latest news there. Darnell Jeffries, it's not going to be a big class. You know that. Xavier Thomas, Jeffries, Trevor Lawrence, and a host of others. Uh, the rich get richer. And the good news is if you're a Clemson fan, it doesn't look like you're going anywhere. 
at this point. All right, what was the question, too, that you had uh, on, on the NBA? Well, we're, we're trying to build. We're starting from scratch to deal with Golden State or? If you're a GM and you feel like Golden State is going to dominate for the next, let's say, you know, three seasons, and I'm not convinced that they will, but for the sake of argument, for the next three seasons, how many teams do you think right now could put enough pieces in place to contend, legitimately contend now, in the next three years? There's three that stand out. Cleveland because of LeBron. San Antonio because of San Antonio and Kawhi. Mm -hmm. Right. Boston because of the arsenal of picks and a decent amount of talent on the roster with a pretty good decision maker pulling the trigger on the shots of who to bring in, trade for, mm-hmm. or how to accumulate more first-round picks. That that would be the easy answer. A wild card would be an organization like the T-Wolves with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins and Ricky Rubio. They were nowhere close to achieving their potential this past year. Does that change before the end of this decade. Another wild card, potentially Portland, Damian Lillard, and C.J. McCollum. They are kind of Golden State-esque with how they chuck up threes all the time. But there's no Draymond Green, and there's no true rim protection there. You know, Plumlee's done some things, I guess, which which haven't been hideous, but they're like a really poor man's Golden State. If they added a piece like Kawhi, I, all of a sudden, their complexion, I think, would change. And remember, too, there are two key free agents, we think, this offseason from the Clippers with Chris Paul, CP3, and, and Blake Griffin. Chris Paul's not a fit in Cleveland to, to add anything there because of Kyrie Irving. Griffin would be interesting. I, I don't know that he's a game changer, but he gives you something else. That makes them a little bit more uh, physical, at least offensively. And I guess defensively, too, he can do some things. But, but though, I mean, Portland and Minnesota are long shots, total wild cards. And they need some kind of lucky bounce. In the draft, they they need to come up gold and you know in free agents. Something big needs to happen there. Cleveland and San Antonio and Boston are more of a threat. Don't, don't come at me with Toronto. And listen, Kyle Lowry, Demar Derozan going somewhere is not going to solve anything. Those guys are second tier stars. We should all be so fortunate to be that good. Don't get me wrong, but in the NBA, they're not difference makers as far as winning championships. Toronto is not that franchise. Atlanta is not that franchise. Hey, somebody texted us a minute ago, do the Mavs have a miracle run in them with, with Dirk? And the answer is no. They're not even close. I mean, Dirk is, that that thing's done. It's been done. Mavs had a chance to repeat in 2012 and mistakenly let uh, Tyson Chandler leave. They had all kinds of chances, and, and, and Mark Cuban wrongfully disintegrated that team with the exception of Dirk and, and maybe Jason Terry for a season. I don't think there's anybody else out there that's even in the ballpark. I mean, Gordon Hayward at Utah, I think he's going to Boston. So, I mean, I I don't even consider them with Quinn Snyder as a head coach. I'm just, I'm racking my brain for anybody else. I I, I mean, really, there's, there's three teams, honestly, with one wild card. 
And the three realistic candidates are San Antonio, Boston, and Cleveland. To get multiple players to come, there has to be some type of superstar, you would think, already at that franchise that could attract those players. You know, uh, Dwayne Wade obviously did that with LeBron and Chris Bosh. Cleveland's been able to do that now. Uh, Golden State's done that. Guys wanting to to play with Curry. Even like a a Toronto or Chicago or someplace like that, I don't know that they have that player – that's influential enough to bring a couple of other guys in to get to convince them to come. There's good players everywhere, but you have to have to compete right now. A superstar is just simply inadequate. A superstar will get you a seven seed. Right. And, and, and a quick departure in the playoffs. Ask Russell Westbrook how that's worked out for him. I mean, right. you know, Westbrook is a piece you could build around, but. I don't know that anybody wants to go there because you know you're going to give up production because he's going to take it from you. And, I mean, it's kind of okay. They won 47 games this year minus Kevin Durant, and he averaged a triple-double, and it was incredible. But it doesn't equate to to championship-level basketball. I think the Rockets are a total joke, I, you know. From the 3-3-0, how about the Pelicans, Phil by Davis, Cousins, Holiday, add Paul George this summer. I mean, Anthony Davis could be the best player in the game by the end of this decade. If Cleveland could pick up Paul George, I, I don't think that's enough. I mean, I I think it takes a year to develop the chemistry, and by that time, LeBron's 33. I, I don't it, see it. It usually deve- takes time to develop the chemistry, but it didn't in Golden State this year. Well, I think Kevin Durant solves a lot of problems. The seven-foot yeah. frame, the ability to score. And, you know, with his range, with his wingspan, right? he's not as bad defensively as what a lot of people would think. He's not a physical defender, but he's going to alter trajectories on shots just because he's so lengthy. He's, he's so just, rangy. Yeah, he's just disruptive anytime you're yeah, that big. I think so. So, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm looking at both the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference from this past year. And you look at the Mendoza line, the teams that didn't make the playoffs, the Pelicans and the T-Wolves would be, you know, potential wild cards, but they're long shots. Nobody in the East, I think, is there. You know, the Wizards with John Wall or Bradley Beal, I mean, they've, they've got options in the backcourt and they're emerging, but they're not ready for that. They're not ready for that. I it just, the, the league for Golden State... To not win multiple more titles this decade is going to need an injury or a massive trade or, or or somebody in the draft that we're not aware of yet. Like if the Spurs come in and find the next Draymond Green in the second round, something along those lines. Because that's, that's where Golden State found him. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to take something like that in a hurry. You know, the Bucs with the Greek freak, I there's something going on there that's not bad. But, they, you know, they won 42 games this year. You re- you ready to tell me next season they they win fifty five and they're the two seed in the East and and that's going to be good enough to do something I I, I don't see that I, I really don't see that I'm I'm just stu- I'm stumped by what happens right. next yeah because right now next year feels like it will play out much like this year did well and a lot of people thought that this year alabama was going to win another championship in college football and it didn't happen there you go and we thought that that was going to happen right up until there was one second remaining in the actual season so 
Just when we were about to lose our entire audience, you reeled them back in with that, Roy. You tell me there's a chance. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Not really, but stranger things have happened. And that's true. Stranger things have happened. We do know the NBA is done for this year. In a season that began last October, it is now wrapped up as of June 12th, late last night. And that makes me a little sad because I always love talking about it. But it's done. And now we preview uh, what happens next year with Golden State and with Cleveland. Cleveland will not stand Pat. All right, LeBron has enough leverage. Mm-hmm. They will not stand Pat. I just don't think that they're going to have enough weaponry to bring in George or somebody else. And even if they do, I'm not convinced that that's going to be enough. Well, and even to bring him in, your salary cap, right. I mean, you're already spending so much. I think they have the highest payroll in the NFL, in the NBA this year. Um, if not number one, they're number two. So what do you give up even to – let's say Paul George wants to come play there. What do you have to give up? Do you have to completely empty out your bench to get him? Yeah, I don't know. We thought that depth may work in, Cle- uh, in Cleveland's favor in the NBA Finals, given what Golden State lost to bring in Kevin Durant. And it really didn't at all. Not at all. Corver wasn't very good. Defensively, they weren't very good. And as great as LeBron was, becoming the first player in the history of the NBA Finals to average a triple-double, it was nowhere close to being enough. All things we have an entire offseason to consider. Coming up on the show tomorrow, our good friend Daniel Shirley, sports editor of the Macon Telegraph, is going to join us.